This is episode 241 of Alohomora for March 17th, 2018. Yet another episode of Alohomora, MuggleNet.com's global re re read re read examination. Come up with your own tagline. No, that, I think that's appropriate. The re 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 read. Yeah, yeah. Re-re-re-re-re. We're never going to stop rereading, so it's never true. right forever. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm Allison Sigurd. I'm Cat Miller, and I'm Beth Warsaw. And today we have with us the lovely David, who is Hello. known on our forums as David B. Jones 999. And we have read comments by him lots, so that name mm-hmm. should be familiar to everybody. How are you doing, David? I'm good. How are you? Good. And you have been on the show once before, right? On the Great Snape debate? Yes, on the one that was lenient toward him. <laughs> on the one that wasn't bashing him for the, like, the entire time. On the one that Kat and I basically got like <laughs> Where we crucified from. ourselves <laughs> as far as our listeners are concerned. Yes, that one. <laughs> it would have been fun to debate, though. Yes, yes. Well, we've never made that mistake again and had such a one-sided show, have we? <laughs> That's not a preview for today at all. What? No. Well, okay, today isn't like we're not exactly discussing something controversial today. Very true. No, really. Very true. I was just going to ask David to uh remind the listeners a little bit about himself. Okay. Well, I am a Hufflepuff. Hooray. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I used to be Gryffindor, but after the new Pottermore came back, I decided to try it again, and I got Hufflepuff. So, I'm sticking with Hufflepuff until 2020, and then I'm going to try the test again. I'm going to try every five years. I'm going to do the test again. That's so funny. Yep. My wand is ash and unicorn hair um, and unflexible. I don't remember how long it is. And that perfectly describes me because I am as stubborn as a mule. (laughs) Stubborner. Perfect. And a mule, probably. And uh, what's your Patronus? Adele. Not that that matters at all. A doe? Really? Really? The same as Lily and Snape. You're just really bitter, Kat. No, okay. No, okay. No, no, no. I mean, yes, I am, but. Yes, I am, but there's only like a hundred and something choices for the outcome on Pottermore, and there are gajillions of animals in the world. It just isn't even remotely feasible. She's so bitter. Hey, I admitted to it, okay? I know. I admitted to it. It's fine. I'll take the salmon. It's fine. It's dumb. I told you, it's, it's what your actual Patronus eats. That's why they gave it to you. <laughs> it's true. I, you I, know, that does make me feel better, to be honest. You know, salmon are actually pretty cool. Yeah, like, I guess. being totally honest. Yeah, I so. guess. I mean, obviously, because salmon are cool, like, it suits me well. I'm just like, you know. <laughs> it's just not what I would pick. Beth is here to protect the salmon. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's it's not what I would pick. Um, but something that I would pick, and something that we are going to discuss today, is the absolute best chapter that J.K. Rowling has ever written in her, her entire life. She should basically just stop writing because she's never going to top it. 
Fight me, Allison. I'm just kidding. I don't know. I like a few. Did you read the forest again? (laughs) I did. That one is pretty good too. But um, we are discussing today chapter 37 of Order of the Phoenix, The Lost Prophecy. So make sure to read that chapter, or and or actually go back and listen to episode 115, where I originally discussed this with Rosie and Caleb and author Lucy Saxon. So yeah, go take a. A listen or read or listen and read like if you're doing the Jim Dale thing or the Stephen Fry thing. Time. Yeah. Just kidding. That is fun actually. <laughs> Listening to him read the book and like looking at the book at the same time. I do have my students do that. You get input. Mm-hmm. It's Two a, places. Yeah. It's a whole new experience. But yeah, there I you go. I remember it. But before we get started talking about this chapter, we just want to thank our sponsor on Patreon for this episode, which is Megan Ballard Beasley. Hey, thank is you, Megan. Yay. Yay. And listeners, don't forget, you can become a sponsor for as little as a dollar a month. And we have super cool stuff if you sponsor us. Uh, our rewards include access to our private Facebook group, Dumbledore's Office. Um, that's at the $2 level where you can chat with us and with each other about all of the latest Wizarding World news and any other crazy things. Sometimes we just think of things because we're always thinking of things about Harry Potter. And we pop them in there and we have fun chats about people's theories and ideas. At the $5 level, you can get a special decal with the Alohomora logo. You can get a private reading from Michael of your chapter of choice from the Harry Potter books at $15, and a vintage Alohomora t-shirt at the $25 level, and a private Skype chat with the host of your choosing. And I still feel like we should be saying this the way Stan Shunpike sells the night bus. <laughs> um, what, including Coco? No, just the way he oh. says it. But I can't do a Stan voice, so... Anyway, you know, if you and, if you don't want Jim Dale or Stephen Fry to read this chapter to you, you could just have Michael read it to you and it would be right. great. Yes. <laughs> yes. That would be awesome. He does a better Hermione than most people. Very <laughs> true. That's true. Right. He should. Mm-hmm. I was going to say. Especially universal. Yeah. yeah. Especially better than that. It's bad. It's awful. Uh, and we continue to release exclusive tidbits for all of you on Patreon. So go to patreon.com slash to find out more. Are y'all ready for this? Da, 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 da. Yes! Oh, I was so happy that one of you just did that. Yes, thank you. Uh, that's exactly why I said exactly what I just said. Three turns should do it. Chapter revisit. Water of the Phoenix. <laughs> Chapter 37. <laughs> the Lost Prophecy. <laughs> I'm going to steal the exact chapter summary that I used on episode 115, and it is this. Dumbledore reveals all. That's it. Ooh. Plain and simple. Okay. Except that he doesn't. Nope. Well, yeah. That's true, but you know what? We'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> so, just to set up where this chapter left off, uh, Dumbledore in the last chapter made a port key for Harry, and he sent him off back to his office and said, wait for me there. He, like Dumbledore had stuff to do with fudge and the ministry and all that stuff. So Harry plops himself down 
inside of Dumbledore's office. He has this conversation with Phineas Nigellus, whatever. And he doesn't sit down, does he? Isn't he still well? Facing? I say, well, okay, figuratively. Figuratively. It's like he paces a lot in this chapter. Right, he does pace a lot, yes. But the first real emotion that he has that he's dealing with in this moment is that he is totally blaming himself. He says, it is my fault if I didn't do this, if I didn't do that, if I didn't do this. Sirius would still be alive. And when I was listening to this chapter today, I really started to think about how that guilt and blame, like self-blame over Sirius's death could have potentially affected all of his future decisions. And I was trying to decide if it does or if it doesn't. And I wanted to see what you guys thought about that because I was torn. I think it does. And actually, now that you mention it, I'm going to bring this up. I think this is good evidence of why Harry and Cursed Child works and fits as canon. Because Harry has a guilt complex when he feels like he's done something, especially if it caused somebody's death. And it it completely impacts what he does and how he thinks. He, I think he becomes slightly less reckless. He wants more information after this point before he makes a decision. Um, we see it in Half-Blood Prince, but he doesn't write out right away try and confront Malfoy or go tell someone about Malfoy. He looks and he sneaks around a bit until he knows for sure what's happening. Yeah, he should have told somebody, but... Well, yes, but I think the guilt of being wrong and the guilt of impulse actions and what effect they have weighs really heavily on Harry. Harry takes people's lives into his own hands and his own responsibility, whether they know he is or not, whether Harry knows he is or not. And to lose someone like that is devastating to him. Hmm. I'm going to disagree slightly. Um, And I think what you're talking about is Harry learning from his experiences and just adjusting the way that he behaves based on based on his previous experience and i think that that is a more mature response than just being driven by guilt and self-blame which is uh the question that cat proposed and i want to juxtapose that against dumbledore's behavior and how, in in my view, Dumbledore is driven by guilt and self-blame. And he carries that with him for his whole life. And that, I think, really affects basically every single thing that he does. But Harry sort of internalizes it and is able to move on more productively. Hmm. It's it's funny that you say that because I was later in the chapter um, where Dumbledore tells Harry that um, the fact that he can feel pain is his greatest strength. And I was wondering if Dumbledore believed that about himself. And I think that you're kind of saying that he might. Yeah, that makes sense because, I mean, if you're right, Beth, and Dumbledore is driven by guilt, 
he would probably see that less as guilt, I think, and more as just pain, especially over time. And so that is his driving force, is that guilt and that pain from everything that happened to him and everything he's kind of set up and put into play. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so much to think about. It's so circular, you know? It like, is. Is he driven by guilt and pain and that causes him to do things which can cause more guilt and pain, which keeps going around and around and around? And- right. Um, I think this is something we touched on a bit on the last episode. Uh, to totally confess, I did not listen to episode 115 because I didn't want to repeat anything by, you know, putting those like little word nuggets. Is that even a thing? Word nuggets into my head, whatever. <laughs> it totally is a thing. You it know is. what I mean. And um, I'm almost positive we talked about this last time, but wouldn't this have been, speaking about Dumbledore and, you know, his hurt anger about his past, wouldn't this have been a perfect opportunity for Dumbledore to share some of the details about his family with yes. Harry? Yeah. Yes. I feel like this is the I opportune time. Would, yeah. I think this would have been, this and the King's Cross chapter are really the only chapters that I think that you'd be able to put any of that information in. With Dumbledore saying it. Yeah. This just wouldn't fit in any other place, I don't think. I just feel like it would have helped Harry so much with everything he's going through with Sirius if Dumbledore had given him just something kind of personal. To Even anything as small as, like, and this sounds accusatory, but, like, do you think you are the only person who has lost someone? Yeah. That they cared about this much, you know? Mm-hmm. Would have been enough to be like, when we found out later about Ariana and Grindelwald even, for all of us to be like, wait a minute, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pull that connection together. Yeah, right. I, I love that phrasing. That would have been yeah. really nice. Dumbledore's not really that petty, though, is he? Well, I mean, he is, but, no. but he's not <laughs> at the same yeah. time. And I think he... Again, he's feeling so guilty about what happened. He doesn't want to bring himself up at all. Right. He wants this to be focusing on Harry and Harry working through his emotions and Harry figuring out and telling Harry the truth, you know? Well, the whole and- truth and nothing but the truth? Just kidding. How about <laughs> part of the truth and sort of some of the truth? <laughs> and it, I mean, it probably would have helped Harry to hear from someone who'd gone through it and been able to come out the other side and still be okay except i don't think dumbledore has come out the other side and is okay and so maybe dumbledore still after all this time isn't ready to talk about it yeah i I think that oh go ahead yeah i think that it would just be way too painful for dumbledore to talk about this and this is really the first time in the series that dumbledore has been seen as fallible and I think that if he had also told Harry that about his past, I think that he might have felt that he couldn't go back to being um, Harry's mentor in the way that he was before. Hmm. Mm. They would have been on, on common ground a bit too much. Yeah. So to it say. Would have, how would that have shaken up the dynamic going forwards? It would have shaken well, it up quite a bit. I think it's important to remember that at this point in this book, their relationship is pretty damaged. Dumbledore mm-hmm. has damaged his relation with Harry. He has actually 
hurt Harry by kind of neglecting him and ignoring him all year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I guess it makes sense. He can't all of a sudden just pop out and be like, look, we have this connection, you know, because Harry would be like, you've literally not said anything to me all year and you won't tell me why. I mean, he tells him why in this chapter, but. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like it could have helped Harry trust Dumbledore a bit more because I feel like, especially after this year, Regardless of the things that they share in this chapter, Harry, I feel like, has a hard time trusting Dumbledore, you know, kind of from from here out. In a yeah. way, not all the time, not about everything, but I think there's always kind of that doubt in his mind. And I feel like that could have helped assuage that a bit. Mm-hmm. Mm. Sure. Um... There was also this one other cool, well, there's like a thousand cool lines because, you know, best chapter <laughs> ever. But this one, you know, this is the thing I love about Harry Potter. I can read it a hundred times. This is my favorite chapter. And sometimes I just sit down and listen to it or just read it if that's, you know, if that's all I have time to do. And I still find something new. So so this time, Dumbledore says that a few times when they were together, in the time that Harry looked Dumbledore directly in the eyes, he thought he saw a shadow of Voldemort in Harry's eyes. And I chuckled to myself because I thought about Voldemort like sitting there in a chair 10, 12, 14, 16 hours a day, like watching <laughs> Harry like in class, go to the bathroom, hopefully wash his hands, like you know, scratches Very butt well when he's walking down Potter, the hall. Kissing like, that girl. Nice. <laughs> exactly. Is that all he did? Is just sit around watching Harry? I don't know. It, no. just, it was making me giggle. I, no, I think that's funny, but I, I definitely think it was tied to Harry's emotions and, and Voldemort was kind of, you know, drawn into Harry in times where Harry was emotional. Just like later when Harry is drawn into Voldemort when Voldemort is emotional. But I do think that that is a hilarious That's thing hilarious. to think about. Okay, but what's happening, <laughs> it remind me of what's happening in that moment. That's after Arthur Weasley's attack, right? Yes. Harry's really so mad he's at in a pure state of, And he's in a pure state of panic, too. And right, also, right. this is the first time that Voldemort is aware that Harry's in his mind. Yeah. I think that this is when he realizes it and starts to think that he yes. can actually use it. Right. To his own advantage. Right. Okay. So I guess kind of from that moment, I suppose, is when I thought that Voldemort could just potentially be sitting there watching, waiting, learning. But I wonder, too, if some of it was just Dumbledore's paranoia. Where he was so afraid of this happening that he saw Harry in this state. And, I mean, we already know that everybody sees these parallels between Harry and Tom Riddle. Mm. And so maybe Dumbledore at that moment, it was more of just a fear thing where he was like, what if this kid turns to, what if somehow we push him over the edge and he turns into the one thing we're trying to build him up to be against, you know? Wow. And I think that Harry also has that fear, like specifically, well, this is more of the movie. He specifically has that conversation with Sirius where he, like, what if I'm becoming bad? What if I'm becoming, like, Voldemort? Right. 
Well, we we do know that um, Voldemort is not present within Harry all of the time, and the yeah. the w- the definitive proof for this is that creature is the one that has to inform Voldemort and the Death Eaters that Sirius is what Harry cares about most. And if Voldemort had been present inside of Harry more of the time, he would have already known that. Yeah. But not necessarily, because they make a point to specifically try not to talk about Sirius. But... He would have seen him at Sirius's house with Sirius. He would have seen their interactions. Well, maybe. That depends on how the uh, the Fidelius charm works, right? Mm, interesting. Oh, uh, man. I don't know if that can block. Oh, my god. The gosh. Fidelius charm um, is always blowing my mind. It, the Fidelius <laughs> charm has so many freaking loopholes or, like, possible <laughs> exceptions. It's not even funny. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, does but it block But can you someone? block a part of somebody's mind? What the freak? <laughs> I don't know, dude. I don't know. Just saying. If you performed legitimacy on someone who had been in somewhere that's protected by a secret keeper, could you see it? Or would no. It, oh my gosh. No, because we have... Don't we have an example of that happening? No. no. Not that I, I know I don't of. think so. N- no, um, but I think... Because Voldemort is the most powerful Agilimans in the world, uh, the Fidelius charm would just been have been useless if Voldemort would have been able to get the information using the Agilimans. Right. That's yeah. true. That's true. There's something, some bell is ringing in the back of my mind, and I can't think of what it is. It'll be 1130 at night, and I'll be like, oh, that's <laughs> it. And I'll tweet about it, and everyone will be like, what? I don't get it. And then when the episode gets out, they'll be like, oh, I get it. Okay. I do want to take a moment, too, before we move on to some other things. I just want to take a second, and I want to clap. Those four claps are for Severus Snape. because All four. That's it. Just four. Because I do think that we need to take a moment and thank him for the loyalty that he does show to Harry in this time and Mm -hmm. the you know Dumbledore explains a lot of things that Snape did in that moment you know the fake Veritaserum and the fact that he did understand Harry's very stupid cryptic warning that he went to go look for them in the forest and all that other stuff and that Snape regardless of his intentions whether he goaded him or not did try to get Sirius to stay back Okay, Mm -hmm. he probably could have said it differently. I'm sure he was a jackass when he did it, but (laughs) but he tried. And I think he deserves some credit there. Yep. In this case, this is one of the few times that he's completely blameless. And what happens with Sirius? I think that he can be almost completely resolved of any blame Mm -hmm. because Sirius would have went no matter what. Yeah. Even if even if for some reason, some alternate universe Snape and Sirius were able to bury the hatchet and become, like, the best of friends. Sirius would have won anyway. Yeah, I think the only thing that Snape could have done, and I am not putting this burden on him, I don't think that he should have done this, but he could have uh, tried to let Harry know that he was doing all those things. That he heard him, yeah, like... Exactly, because... 
Snape... Or tell him that Sirius was okay. Exactly. Because Snape knows Harry. He knows that Harry's not going to Or tell Sirius to call Harry. Exactly. He knows that, <laughs> that Harry. Harry's not going <laughs> to call him. Yeah. Uh, he knows that, that Harry's not going to rest until he knows that Sirius is okay. And it, it occurs to Snape that, you know, a little while later when he hadn't seen Harry again, that Harry had gone after Sirius. But if he was able to sort of get Harry's attention covertly in that moment, saying, yes, I have heard you, like, don't do anything stupid. Um, mm -hmm. m maybe that would have saved Sirius's life, but I think that that's a lot to ask. I think that um, it would have been really challenging to achieve yeah, that. Yeah, I don't think he would have been able to do that. The only way yeah. that he might possibly be able to do it would be to use his Patronus to tell Harry, but I think that would reveal too much. Yeah, yeah, that's fascinating. And then, then you can get into thinking about, like, he would never have done that because he refuses to reveal to Harry that yeah. he Quote, is the best part Lily, of himself. And, exactly. And yeah. so he would have rather let Sirius die then reveal that piece of information to Harry and then we get oh, that sounds, that sounds like Snape. would have been revealed to Sirius yeah. too mm -hmm. and while Snape might be able to keep that from Voldemort Harry definitely wouldn't have been able to keep it from him very true no. wow that's oh true. that's a rabbit hole <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. I am gonna take issue with one of your words though I'm gonna take issue with the word loyalty I don't think it's out of a sense of intrinsic loyalty to Harry I think it's out of duty yeah yeah, I think, okay. I think it's, his, it's his duty to Harry and keeping Harry alive and the promise he has made to Dumbledore. It has nothing to do with how he feels about Harry. It's sure, I obligation. don't disagree with that. That's true. I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree. So. To go back to the beginning of the chapter, I think that Dumbledore's true views on Harry can be glimpsed by what the portraits say. Mm. Um, one of the portraits says specifically... Dumbledore thinks very highly of you, as I am sure you know. Oh yes, holds you in great esteem. Mm. I, I wish we would. See, I wish we would see some of those conversations. Oh man, that'd be yeah. so cool. It would been good to see those conversations. Mm. But I think it's stuff like this that shows that Dumbledore really does care a lot about Harry, even if he is willing to maybe possibly let Harry die. He does genuinely care about Harry. He does. I've because, never qu I've never yeah. questioned that personally. I don't yeah. know about the rest of you, but yeah, me neither. Yeah, yeah. And since the portrait is saying this out of nowhere, this wouldn't. This really shows his like true thoughts because this wouldn't really be something that Dumbledore would be able to set up to manipulate Harry, because this is just a pure raw moment. Right. No, it's it, it's true and. It, there's another tiny little moment that I love at the beginning when Dumbledore first gets back and he puts Fox back in his perch. And I just, I, I think they're like the sweetest little couple. I love them so Aww. much. Dumbledore <laughs> and Fox. It's just Aww. really cute. And it got me What Do you think like, so Phoenix is re, you know, they rebirth themselves. They're reborn, whatever. And so Fox like swallowed an Avada Kedavra curse. And he quote unquote died. Do phoenixes ever die? Do you guys know anything about them? Do they ever die? Oh man, does it say in Fantastic Beasts? I don't know. Mine is all the way across it the board. It probably does say. I'll I'll check. I don't I don't yeah. know. Um, 
I was going to Wikipedia it, but whoops, I just typed Fox instead of Phoenixes. Um, <laughs> I don't think. Do any of them, all those other ones matter? No. <laughs> no, not really. Um, There's the Phoenix mascot of the Quidditch team. Oh, yes, Sparky. Mm-hmm. Yes. I just, I mean, I'm just wondering, you know, do they ever die? I don't know. It's very interesting. I feel like they have to run out eventually. Yeah, I remember reading something somewhere. I don't know. I don't remember where that potentially, like, in the, like, the very late stages of their lives, like, in thousands of years, mm. that they... I don't remember where I read this, but at the end of its life, like a new, it forms into a new egg for the cycle to begin again. That's so cool. I don't remember where I read it, though. I always assumed, too, that Fox died when Dumbledore died. Well, I don't think he died. He just flies off into the sun and you never see him again. I just assumed he died. I think he had a, a figurative death, but not a literal one. Mm-hmm. Why did I assume he died? Because we never well, see him again. Yeah. And I could see the logic behind Fox like actually dying then, because with Dumbledore gone, I think it's potential that Fox wouldn't have wanted to continue going on without Dumbledore. Yeah, they're really loyal it's birds. Potential. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, the Wikipedia page for phoenixes says nothing. It just says uh, phoenixes live to an immense age. Yeah. So. Hmm. I tried to hmm. look it up in Fantastic Beasts, but I apparently don't have that on Kindle like I thought I did. Yeah, it doesn't say. So somebody out there, listeners, if you know anything about phoenixes, please enlighten us because I want to know... If they ever actually die. I don't want to think about it because Fox is awesome and I love Fox, mm-hmm. but I'm just curious. I think it's really interesting, though, uh, the fact that this chapter begins with Fox as a little baby because mm-hmm. the two times that we have seen Fox die have been very pivotal pivotal turning points in the series um and that's so fascinating to me (laughs) that that just those little symbols are are sprinkled in we have it all over this chapter too we you know the sun is coming up this whole chapter and it sets the tone beautifully for the new tone of the rest Mm. of the series um and even just you know at the beginning of this chapter harry you know, comes into Dumbledore's office still holding the head of the wizard statue. Mm. And to me, that that is a really heavy metaphor for what is about to happen in the next two years of Harry's life. Um, just how the, the wizarding world completely... Um, it... it changes and falls apart and comes back together and i love it it's so great i i actually was giggling to myself today 
So that magic is, uh, with the magical brethren statue seems like it would be huge. How is Harry carrying, like, the head of a wizard that's made out of stone? I feel like it's, like, a pumpkin size. It's not made out of stone, it's made out of gold, right? Yeah. Which is, isn't gold heavier than most things? Yeah. I mean, I don't know, just... Maybe Harry's just just really buff. Right. Right. Very buff. Unless it's just covered in gold, or it's... I mean, it's a fountain. And so I feel like it would be hollow. Yeah. Because water comes out of different parts of different statues, right? Right. And also, it's like magic, so they could have used like a spell (laughs) to make it lighter. Yeah. Okay. It's like magic. You're right. (laughs) (laughs) You're not wrong. You are right. Okay. So, you know, Dumbledore, they fight. Harry breaks a bunch of crap in Dumbledore's office. All those cool instruments that we never find out what they are, like WTF. It's fine. Harry just breaks them <laughs> all. Ravenclaw showing. Yeah. Yeah, that happens a lot. Um, but Dumbledore says, you know what? It's finally time. I'm going to sit down and I'm actually going to tell you everything. But psych, you know, he doesn't. He tells Harry a lot, but obviously not everything. And so... Dumbledore starts talking about how after Voldemort killed James and Lily, that his number one priority was to keep Harry safe because there were other Death Eaters who were still at large. A lot of really dangerous people who Dumbledore says, a lot of them just as terrible as Voldemort. And I'm wondering, I was thinking about it today, would another Death Eater have been able to kill Harry in that time period because he already has the bit of Voldemort's soul in him but the blood protection hasn't gone into effect yet because Petunia hasn't taken him. I think the blood protection only really directly applies to Voldemort. Yeah. I think that if another Death Eater wanted to kill Harry they definitely would have been able to if they could get to him. But I think Dumbledore has set up other protections um to keep him safe from anyone else. Mm-hmm. But at that exact moment, I... Because I wonder about this. Because I wonder how no one heard or thought to go look in a house. Like, these muggles, right? No one thought to go look at this house that randomly showed up on the street. Nobody heard a crying baby. Like... I wonder if there's some sort of, like, radiation zone from magic this big, you know? Hmm. Where, like, nobody could get close enough. Like, is there a bubble, a cloud that happened when this kind of big, powerful, crazy, insane kind of magic happens that... Because it had to have taken Hagrid several hours to get there, right? Because somebody would have had to tell Dumbledore, something would have had to to go off. Dumbledore would have had to check in. They would have had to figure it out. And then Hagrid would have had to fly from Scotland all the way there. And then there's the missing 24 hours as well. Right. Well, yeah. Which is after after do, Hagrid picks Harry up. Do we know for certain that the house is visible to muggles? We oh, don't. Oh, what does it say? I have Deathly Hallows right here. Well, because oh, I know I they, I know this. they walk up to the house, and Harry sees the sign. But like, we're seeing it through Harry's point of view, so I don't know if we know for sure that the house is visible 
to muggles because Harry's not a muggle. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for. And I do feel like like a bell is ringing, like something is sticking out to me, but I can't think of what it is. Okay, I have, um, I have the page. It's three thirty-two. Um, you want to read exactly it? Exactly how those. Yeah, I'll read it. Um, the sign had arisen out of the ground in front of them. Up through the t- tangles of nettles and weeds, like some bizarre, fast-growing flower, and in golden letters upon the wood, it said, "On this spot, on the night of thirty-first of October, nineteen eighty-one, Lily and James Potter lost their lives. Their son, Harry, remains the only wizard ever to have survived the killing curse. This house, invisible to Muggles, has been left in its ruined state as a monument to the Potters." And as a reminder of the violence that tore apart their family. Okay. So, okay, so definitely not visible to muggles. Okay. So it had the Fidelia's charm on it. And Pettigrew was a secret keeper. So when James and Lily died, Pettigrew didn't die. No. Ergo, the house is still hidden. Okay. So that's why. Does that mean it's visible after Pettigrew dies? No, but this it is had before to have become visible at some point because other wizards would have had to have seen it. Oh, I think and that been able to make the monument. I think that it's after the secret is after the thing that the Fidelius charm is meant to keep secret is gone. The charm wears off. I think that would probably be oh, it. Oh, that breaks the charm. Because there's nothing that needs to be kept secret anymore. Because the secret wasn't the house, specifically. The secret was that Lily the and James... The location of James and Lily. Was, yeah. And that made the house invisible. But since the location is no longer necessary because Lily and James are dead, it would go away. Hmm. The Fidelius charm is on the house, though, right? It's on the house. No, I think it's on the Because them. they, quote, go into hiding. Yeah, but I think it's on them. If it's on them, why would they stay at their house? Because because somebody says... Some, who says this? They say Voldemort could have his nose pressed up against their sitting room window and not know they were there. I think that was probably in the third book. Yeah, I think, I think the in prison. Fudge might have said it. Or it's Flitwick. either Fudge or Flitwick. It's one yeah. of those two. Right. That's when they're talking about Pettigrew in the pub, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. So. But that would, I mean, I understand what you're saying, and I get, like, that makes sense, but also doesn't make sense. I th- we're probably missing something really obvious, and the listeners are like, hello. Um,. I just need a full explanation of how the Fidelius charm works. Yeah. That would be a really cool thing for J.K. Rowling to finally reveal. Yeah. That would answer so many questions. I feel like whatever she would say, though, we would just punch a bunch of holes in. Like, Yeah, it's just going to be so vague and like... I think it's smart that she left it less defined. It Boo, makes it, I don't like that answer. I it, it, makes it, <laughs> it makes it keep its weight and power. Yeah. I sure. think. Sure. 
So since we're speaking about weight, let's talk about Petunia. I don't know. Don't ask. Um, so, <laughs> <What>? <laughs> you know, I don't know. She's the opposite of things that weigh a lot. I don't know. Whatever. Um, so Harry is, uh, Dumbledore is talking to Harry about how he had to give, he had to give him to Petunia because that was the only way that he was going to keep him alive. And Harry's like, she doesn't love me. She doesn't care about me, blah, blah. But Let's just give Petunia the benefit of the doubt for like a hot second. Does she really not have any, any maternal feelings for Harry? I feel like we know this. I feel like she said somewhere, yes, she does have some love for Harry because he's a reminder of Lily. I think that, I think that it's in what she doesn't say to Harry when he sees her for the last time. Yeah, it's in when he she goes to say something, but then she doesn't. I think that she feels something akin to maybe regret about how she treated Lily and treated Harry, but mm-hmm. she just can't bring herself to verbalize it. Right, she's a chicky chicky chicken, right? Yeah, and I I think I think maybe if. Petunia had just been, you know, single on her own, and Dumbledore had dropped Harry off on her doorstep, I think she might have come around and been warmer to Harry after a while. Um, and Oh my gosh, what an awesome what And if. maybe not, maybe not, you know, totally treated him like her own son, but not as horribly abused him as he was in the books. And I don't know if that influence is Dudley or Vernon or both, but to me it just seems like it's not Petunia's lack of love for Harry. It's that her environment keeps her from allowing herself to care for Harry. Yeah, I think that Vernon enables the worst aspects of Petunia's personality too much. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. It enables Petunia to keep thinking these things about how her sister's a freak and how magic is awful, even though it's really just jealousy. I think it's more yeah. that Petunia transfers her feelings of jealousy from Lily to Harry, just as Snape transferred his feelings of dislike for James onto Harry. Oh, Ooh. I like that. That makes sense. So I wonder if Petunia had been on her own, right? And just raised Harry on her own. I wonder if she would have seen it as like a second chance, you know, a second chance to interact with Lily and Lily's world and this thing that Aww. she was, she wanted to be a part of so badly. But now she's like, I, I kind of can like this time I won't just throw it aside and make fun of it and deride it just because I don't get to be a part of it. Maybe this time I'll interact with it as much as I can. She could have gone to platform nine and three quarters and she could have met met Dumbledore. Aw. (gasps) That would have been sweet. She could have come to the tournament. Mm -hmm. In oh my gosh. That would have been I want this what if. Guess (laughs) who guess guess what I'm gonna write. Yeah I need to write fan fiction. I need to write this fan fiction now. Yep. I'm going to beat you to it. <laughs> Y'all can collaborate, okay? Love it. Perfect. 
There was actually this really great line that I did a lot of chuckling listening to this chapter today, which is something I don't think I've ever really done before <laughs> since this chapter is kind of somber, but in yeah. all the best possible ways. Mm-hmm. Dumbledore says, quote, uh, there's a flaw in this wonderful plan of mine. And I was like, ha, 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 because it just made me think of the uh, Deathly Hallows chapter, the flaw in the plan. That's all. Mm-hmm. I thought it was just a cute little, you know. Shout out. Although, reverse shout out since she wrote that after this one. But whatever. You have thoughts, Allison? I have many thoughts about Ooh, this. do tell. Because like thoughts. as I was rereading at this time, I started to see all of these parallels. Stra- like strange parallels in both the writing structure and the ideas that are coming up. Um, And I wish I could have had a little bit more time to fully close read this. Um, Unfortunately, my muggle job took up too much time lately. Um, But he has this, this whole conversation brings up some, the really interesting ideas. um, And I mean, it started, the thing that, that tipped me off was, um, in this chapter at the beginning, Harry lands in Dumbledore's office, right? And he has this thought where he says, Harry could not stand this. He could not stand being himself anymore. He had never felt more trapped inside his own head and body. Never wished so intensely that he could be somebody, anybody else. And it made me think of one of my favorite lines in the entire series. At the end of Deathly Hallows, um, after he sees... After Harry learns that he has to die. Um, There's this beautiful line. Why had he never appreciated what a miracle he was? Brain and nerve and bounding heart. Oh, yes. That, that, I feel like they encapsulated that line in the moment where Harry comes out of the pensieve in the film and he sits down on the stairs and he's just like. I think of that line every time I see that Mm -hmm. scene. Yeah, me too. That that is one of. my favorite, and I've said this before, most of my favorite moments in the films are the quiet scenes. Mm-hmm. And that moment where he just sits down and yeah. just sits there, I get chills every time. I and it's because right of that line. Yeah. yeah. It's so good. It's so good. I, I love, I mean, I love that chapter in Deathly Hallows. It's probably one of my favorite in the whole series mm-hmm. because it just like, everything about it is amazing. Um, but just this, this parallel of uh, in this point, right, in Order of the Phoenix, he wants to not be tied to his physical self, right? He does not want to be himself anymore. And yet when he actually knows the full plan, he knows exactly what he had to do. He has this transcendent moment of clarity in which he realizes and appreciates everything that makes him who he is he finally understands why Dumbledore says you are human because you can feel pain you are human because you can feel love you are human because you are feeling this and he finally appreciates what that means and I was just like holy crap (laughs) well and I think that ties perfectly into something that I was really fixated on when I was reading the chapter this time which is that all, through all of the pain that Harry has gone through in his life up to this point, and all of the pressure that the world has put upon him, 
he has never expressed that, like, he didn't want to be Harry Potter. He has always taken it in stride, and while he might have had some caps lock moments, he still accepts it as part of himself. And it's not until he is examining his effect on the people that he cares about that he doesn't want to be him anymore. And and the the chapter in Deathly Hallows, again, he's back to internalizing just him and the pain that he goes through. And he is less focused on his impact on the world around him. And I think that's that says a lot about him, that he can be so calm and so um so sure of himself when when he's considering what is happening to him but he feels so out of control and uncomfortable when thinking about his impact on the world around him and i think it's an interesting step because i think you're right this is his biggest moment of raw pain raw unfiltered a kind of pain that like you can't really describe you know and then in half-blood prince we get another moment where that this also reminded me of it reminded me of um that moment at the end of the chapter horcruxes when they finally understand that when harry makes the choice to follow the prophecy and destroy voldemort and start searching for the horcruxes when he gets yet another moment of he understands what the plan is, right? He understands what he has to do finally. Um, he gets this other moment of clarity where he says, it's also one of my favorite lines, that it's the difference between walking or being dragged into an arena to face death and walking into it with your head held high. And so we get raw pain, we get raw strength, and then we just get this, like, raw everything in Deathly Hallows where all these are like his most transcendent moments and oh my mm-hmm. gosh I freaking love them like I oh. just have to say yes. what the line in this chapter where Harry says then I don't want to be human is the best line oh. in the entire series we just all have to be quiet and and think about it for a moment <laughs> Moment of silence. Oh my god. Moment of appreciative silence. Yeah, I love it so much. But I but I think that brings me to because we started with the line, the flaw in this wonderful plan of mine. And I was like, well, what is the flaw in the plan? Right? And here Dumbledore says it's because he cares for Harry too much. He cares for Harry's happiness too much. But I was like, well, why then is the last official chapter in the series not epilogue but like last one why is it called the flaw in the plan nobody says those words in that chapter and i think talking about it (laughs) because you probably heard me typing um love is the flaw love is the variable that cannot be controlled and it is the thing that both creates the way that Harry can win. And it is the thing that destroys the plan Dumbledore thought he had set. Mm. 
Yes. Emotion. <laughs> what did you just say, Allison? Emotion. I said emotions. Okay. I was like, oh my gosh, what did I just hear? Utter from those lips? <laughs> it sounded like you swore. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, because I've, I've always thought, well, the flaw in the plan mentioned in Deathly Hallows is that Draco ended up with the wand. But I was like, no! The flaw on the plan was the emotion. It was Draco's fear. It was Snape's hatred slash duty slash love to Lily. It was Harry's love. It was Dumbledore's love. It was Voldemort's inability to understand their love. It was all of these things. All you need is love. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. All you need is love. Love. Love is all you need. Anyway, I'm I'm having a moment of I think I think it's I think it's brilliant. I think you're absolutely right. Like twenty gajillion percent, like five ever infinity times infinity, (laughs) forever. Can we talk about Dumbledore's plan for a second? Because Mm -hmm. he, for all we talk about Dumbledore being a puppet master, whether you agree with that or not, he is scheming constantly um and Always. and his plans are so drawn out and so detailed uh and s- s- reaching over so many years ooh ooh yes call on me teacher do you think <laughs> he learned some of that stuff from grindelwald 100% mm-hmm. I'd never thought about that before. Oh, man. I think he got a lot of tactics from Grindelwald, whether he wants to admit them or not. And obviously he didn't use them for evil things like Grindelwald does. But I think 100% he picked up tactics. But so, I, I I think it shows a lot that nobody else is messing up his plan. He is so good at planning that... He has accounted for everything. He is, you know, he is able to work in everything that could possibly happen, does happen, except himself. Right. That He makes the same mistake Voldemort makes. And, and he doesn't calculate in emotion. The, he right. doesn't yeah. calculate in The fact in that he, he was able to make such a plan and have it not crumble in the first year of this plan like like he that's ridiculous that it was able to last so long i think that it's worth talking about um how caring for harry is what ended up being dumbledore's flaw because i i mean i know we said earlier in the episode that we don't think there's any chance that Dumbledore didn't care for Harry. I think we can all we can all agree that Dumbledore <laughs> definitely did care about Harry. But there's a lot that he says in this chapter that it, it, he doesn't mention c- could have also been selfish um feelings. Like, he, he pins it all on how much he cared about Harry, but he never mentions 
you know, that he couldn't, I mean, I guess he does, he mentions it a little bit, that he couldn't handle how much he cared about Harry. And then what that would have meant for him if he had to make the tough decisions. Like, if he had to kill Harry, like Dumbledore wanted him to, what that would have done to him. And could he have to done Dumbledore, that? Dumbledore, what would it have would done have done, done to himself. Yes. I mean. Yeah. Sorry, I'm not articulating this very well. Do you guys know what I mean? Yes. Isn't someone in, yeah. have a quote down here in the document about that? Yeah. So Dumbledore says, there, this is pieces of quotes, Voldemort's aim in possessing you would not have been my destruction. It would have been yours. He hoped when he possessed you, I would sacrifice you in the hope of killing him. Um, and... I think he might have. I think he might have actually done that. And he didn't it's he didn't want to face again. that. It's that guilt again. He didn't want some child, right? And I think he still definitely and Harry pretty much is at this point an innocent child to get stuck in between Dumbledore's like greater feuds. You know, and to be a sacrifice. Again. But he still is. I think. <laughs> no, I I know, but I think to have Dumbledore feel like if he, Dumbledore's guilt, I think a lot of it comes from he thinks he killed Ariana. I think no matter what he says, no matter what, you know, they try and put some whatever is to what be is determined. The word I'm yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah, like there's some. Uh, Nobody quite knows, but I think Dumbledore for sure thinks he was the one. Um, and I think he couldn't deal with that guilt again. And again, it's that guilt controlling what he's doing. He would not kill Harry because he did not want a repeat of Harry. Well, I think, I think that he even- would kill Harry. I think he would Ooh. kill Harry. And I think he knows that he would. And the guilt of that, even though it hasn't even happened has already undone his plan. Like, he... That's why he's been avoiding Harry. Not because he's afraid of Voldemort. Not even because he's afraid that Harry is going to be made into a pawn that Voldemort is going to use to get to Dumbledore. It's... It's that Dumbledore doesn't want to be put into a position of... Action, Just like he didn't want to be put into a position of action against Grindelwald. He avoided for so long being the one to confront Grindelwald. And here he is again. He is refusing to confront the situation with Harry. He won't tell Harry the truth about what Harry has to do. And he refuses to put himself in a position where he might have to you know do something difficult exactly and 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 it's for the same reason because he was in love with grindelwald that's why he didn't do it and granted he's not in love with harry but he loves harry and sometimes that is stronger than being in love with somebody Mm -hmm. and and so that prevents him from showing harry how much he cares about him which in the long run would have meant way more to harry even if Dumbledore had to kill him in the end, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm. Wow. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's heavy. 
I think you might be right, though, too. He might have killed him. I forgot Dumbledore knows the prophecy. He knows the line, either must die at the hand of the other. So I think you're right, right? Yeah, I think that he... I think there is a chance that he could have um, killed Harry in that moment, too. Even, even it, in an attempt to destroy the the horcrux inside of Harry. Yeah. But I think but it would have definitely been a mistake to do that cuz it wouldn't have actually fixed anything cuz Voldemort would still have been Voldemort still would have been alive, I think. Because I think it's Dumbledore the one killing him instead of Voldemort. I'm not too sure about that. I know the prophecy makes kind it of, sticky. Yeah. Although I will I want to say that this moment really reminds me of Something that happens in spoiler alert for the new Star Wars movie that came out. The Last Jedi. Did anybody see that? Yes. I'm spoiling it. Uh-huh. Yes. Yep. Have okay. we gotten past spoilers <laughs> warnings for that? I hope so. Okay. Well, here are major spoiler warnings. This is something that happens like halfway through. But when we finally find out um, why Kylo Ren turned to the dark side, mm-hmm. I think that this is a really good parallel because it's. Ooh. When Luke stands over Kylo Ren, looks into his mind, and sees the evilness in him, and for a split second turns on his lightsaber, <gasps> and doesn't go through with it. He wouldn't have went through with it. He was about to put it away when Kylo Ren saw it, saw him do that, and that's what turned him to the dark side because he thought that because he thought that Luke was trying to kill him. When Luke was just having a moment of weakness. Hmm. And I think that it's a lot similar to here. That's a really brilliant because... parallel. Yeah, That's I great. like that a lot. Yeah. Wow, snaps David. Again. <laughs> Thank you. I wish I could snap, but I can't. What? Really? I've never been able to snap. Like, sometimes I can do it, but it's... Re- like, sometimes I can snap, but usually I can't. My boyfriend learned how to snap earlier this year, and now he just snaps constantly. And I really wish he'd never learned. I can sometimes snap, but... I can snap with every finger. Funny. I snap at kids all the time. But um, um... Okay, so <laughs> let's move on to, you know, what this chapter is actually named after, and it is The Lost Prophecy. So let's just read it, just because we can and we should. We all know it. It's fine, but let's just read it, okay? The one with the power to vanquish the Dark Lord approaches, born to those who have thrice defied him, born as the seventh month dies, and the Dark Lord will mark him as his equal, but he will have power the Dark Lord knows not. And either must die at the hand of the other, for neither can live while the other survives. The one with the power to vanquish the Dark Lord will be born as the seventh month dies. How convenient that it rhymes, first off. Cause Very convenient. That's nice. That's nice. It is nice. But like subtly rhymes, yeah. Yeah. I feel like. It's not obvious. No. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, not overly. Anyway. And I'd like to actually compare this to the prophecy that she did in Prisoner of Azkaban. Ooh, okay. You want to read that one for us? Sure. Okay. I'll try to do my Trelawney voice. Oh, boy. I'm ready for this. I'm here for it. (laughs) 
It will happen tonight. The Dark Lord lies alone and friendless, abandoned by his followers. The Seven has been jaded these twelve years. Tonight, before midnight, the Seven will break free and set out to rejoin his master. The Dark Lord will rise again with his Seven's aid, greater or more terrible than ever before. Tonight, before midnight, the Servant will set out to to rejoin his master. Wow. Do you want to go back and do Very the snaps? Too? <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> wow. I think you're the only one to be wanting to tell. No, it's okay. But I don't really want to do it because it, it kills my voice. I was going to say, it sounds <laughs> like that imagine. hurts the vocal yeah. cords, David. A little bit. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> well, okay, so let's compare and contrast. Let's do it. You have any thoughts? Uh... I like that it's so vague. Both of them. Mm-hmm. Well, so the vague. prisoner one significantly more so because we're meant to think. Well, that it's yeah, snake. but like, just the fact that it hardly gives you any information. You know, like it just tells you basically the outcome. Well, that's Not what a prophecy does, happen, yo. No. It's about the it's okay, about okay, the end okay. result. <laughs> That's not what I. That's not what I meant. <laughs> I know that's. What I meant. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> but like, not. <laughs> I can't Sorry, Allison. I'm getting y'all back for picking <laughs> on me about my Patronus before. Okay. <laughs> hey, I supported. You. I know. I'm just kidding. Okay. Here's one thing that. I noticed. Yep. They're both kind of circular. The first and last lines of both the, mm. the prophecies are very similar to each other. Mm-hmm. In um, the prisoner one, it, it will happen tonight. The Dark Lord lies alone and friendless. Which is so interesting. The last Finish. one is, tonight before midnight, the servant will set out to rejoin his master. Mm-hmm. So, and the first, and the first prophecy which is actually the second one that we hear, is the one with the power to vanquish the Dark Lord approaches. And then it ends with the one with the power to vanquish the Dark Lord will be born as the seventh month dies. Yeah, it's kind of more like a summation, like that last sentence is like uh, TLDR. Like, yeah, it takes the first what it two lines <laughs> and reverses them. Right. Yeah. Because first it's, it will happen like the Dark Lord and then it's no, it doesn't deal with, the... but it does it for the second one? Right, it's okay. We get what yeah. you mean. Yeah, you yeah. get it. You get it. Yeah. I don't want to talk about this one for super long, but I had never thought about the fact that the prisoner of Azkaban one says that the Dark Lord lies alone and friendless. Like that's super interesting. I don't mm. know, man. Things could have been great. They had just left him there. Yeah, yep. they should have. Stupid Peter yeah. Pettigrew. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Stupid <Yeah>. Peter. <laughs> um, do we know? I don't think we do. What Harry's parents had done to thrice defy Voldemort? I really want. Well, it's one of those things I've always wanted yeah. to know. I think that I don't know where I heard this, but I think that 
one of it, I think that either J.K. Rowling said it or one of the characters in the book said it, but I think one of the times that they defied him was when he sought them out to join the Death Eaters and they refused. Okay. I think that oh. was it, which, yeah. which when you think about it, would have been really, really impressive because Lily is muggle-born. So if he went to both of them to recruit them, that just shows how great of a witch Lily was when even Voldemort is like, you're so powerful, I want you to join me even though you are muggle-born and everything that I hate. I do vaguely remember something about, maybe it was just a fan theory about people saying that he would have wanted her because she was so good at potions. Mm. But that might be like a headcanon. Yeah. Yeah. I think it. I wonder if the prologue's one of them. Yeah, th the James and Sirius prologue. Because we, we discussed when we discussed that, that who's chasing them. Right. But Lily's not there. Yeah. No, um, but maybe she did something else. You know, yeah. that seems like a really early moment. Right. Yeah. I think that. If I remember it, I think it's probably something that Hagrid said in. Philosopher's Stone, the first one, if it's anything. Okay. It would have, if it was anywhere, I think I remember hearing it there, if it is, in fact, there. So, um, I don't think that this is actually the real reason, but I googled it to see if I could find, uh, that actual reference, because I had never heard that before. Um, and instead I found someone... Um, bringing up the point that Harry is a descendant of the Peveril family who thrice defied death. So I just thought that was interesting. That's not really the reason, but. Ooh. Yeah. Lots of threes. I was going to say, we do know three, seven. Twelve. Big numbers. Twelve. Twelve. Mm -hmm. So then I, you know, James and Lily are like cool and all. But I'd rather know about Frank and Alice personally. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold but on. Then I'll cry. Oh, wait, do you have something? Back? Um, I don't have a quote, but I have. Uh, someone is referencing a Pottercast interview. Uh, oh, where JK quote will have it. J.K. Rowling says all the times they escaped him, all the times when they arrested one of his henchmen, or when they made fun of him. That doesn't sound real. <laughs> What? <laughs> that doesn't <laughs> sound real. I mean, because then the Weasley twins have gone all out. You yeah. know? Wait, can you read? The Weasley twins is, are is, up there, if that's a thing. Is there any actual, like, quote there that no. I could search for in this interview? No. Mm. Does it say what interview it's from? It's fr just says from a Pottercast interview. Oh, right. Okay, here we go. <laughs> so... This is during the Pottercast interview in 2007. Accio quote has it, guys. So Melissa says, what about okay. the three times the thrice defying of Voldemort? Joe says, of James and Lily, of Neville's parents, well, James and Lily too. And Joe says, it depends on how you take defying, doesn't it? I mean, if you're counting, which I do, anytime you arrested one of his henchmen, anytime you escaped him, anytime you thwarted him, that's what he's looking for. And both couples qualified because they were both fighting. Also, James and Lily turned him down. That was established in Philosopher's Stone. He wanted them, and they wouldn't come over, so that's one strike against them before they were even out of their teens. There you go. 
how was it only three then? I don't know. I feel like it would be and like twenty gajillion times. In, yeah. Yeah. Or how aren't more people in that? Like, how is Mad Eye Moody not in that then? Right. Right. And so wait, I'm pulling out my calendar, but like, aren't there more birthdays at the end of January? So wait, he. I mean, July. He wanted them. Like, I I still want a quote for that of him trying to, to get them to come over and they defied him well let's see what what hagrid says in philosopher's stone because that's where joe references yeah i just don't remember that i'm gonna open my book go ahead i'm actually there and i think that he's speculating on why voldemort wanted to go the night to kill him and let me find it again it is right over here yeah here it is what page are you um, on? Page 54. Okay. Of the American edition. Um, I'm reading it from the ebook. Mm-hmm. It's got it right here. Uh, now your mom and dad were as good a witch and wizard as ever I know. Um, dot, dot, dot. Gonna skip down. Suppose the mystery is why you know who never tried to get him on his side before. Probably knew they were too close to Dumbledore to wonder anything to do with the dark side. Maybe he thought they, he could persuade him. Maybe he just wanted him out of the way. Hmm. I never took that as actually what happened. Yeah. Yeah. But, but that's what I was first thinking dang of. Dang it, Hagrid, you couldn't have been paying a little bit more attention. <laughs> that's what I think I that's was expecting specific- too much from Hagrid. Aww. Yeah. That's the thing that I was specifically thinking of. Yeah, that's probably what it is. And I just don't think that that is as definitive as... Joe makes it seem in this quote. I mean, I guess she knows. She I know. It, but that is becoming a piss poor excuse as far as I'm concerned. So it's fine. Not for me. Yeah. But that's a different story. Mm-hmm. It, for me, it depends on whether I like what J.K. Rowling says. If I like what she says outside of the books, it's canon. If I don't, then it's not. It's not that's even a canon it. discussion for me. I think sometimes she just doesn't know. So she just makes shit up, which. Like Elizabeth Warren Myrtle, come on, sorry, Just, whatever, it's fine. Yeah, everyone does it. Yeah, I would rather she just didn't answer if she doesn't know the answer, but that's okay. But for real, like I want, I want, you know, everybody's like, oh, give me a story about the Marauders, whatever. I want Frank and Alice because they seem like this... badasses. Just saying. But they make me sad. But they shouldn't make you sad. They should make you feel powerful and like you can do anything. Like that you can stand up to the power. But they do make me feel sad because of how, of what happens to them. Like despite everything they were, they still, for no good reason really either. Let's be real with ourselves. For no good reason. And just because Bellatrix is a little bee. And like... It just makes me sad. I mean, the thing that that I love about Frank and Alice is that they were clearly, like, super awesome wizards um, together. But, like, did Voldemort, he must have known about them. He probably maybe didn't know that they had a kid or whatever. Because they obviously weren't perceived as a threat in any way. Otherwise, Voldemort would have tried to kill both of them. You know, no, I don't no, know. No, 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 he, he knows. made a choice. I know he, he made a choice. choice. I know he made a choice. He, I get that. He, yeah, he made a choice specifically for Harry because Harry was half-blood like him. 
Yeah. Right. No, I get that. And I get he only that. heard part of the prophecy. I know. I'm just saying, like, you know, there's something about Frank and Alice that I feel like I'm missing. Yeah. That well, I need that. I think it is mentioned by someone in the series that Frank and Alice were wildly popular. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That they were immensely popular with, like, everybody in the Wizarding World. Like, everybody knew them. Everybody loved them. Mm-hmm. And that that was why the whole trial with um, Bartic Trout, Beltrex, and Rodolphus is so brutal. Right. I, I wonder if they had... I wonder if some of it came down to the security. Because, like you said, if Frank and Alice are that popular, they couldn't necessarily just slip into hiding, you know? Whereas James and Lily maybe could, and so maybe Frank and Alice were two out in the open, and also Voldemort had an in with for James and Lily through Pettigrew. Right. Damn Pettigrew. I hate that guy. <laughs> <laughs> we all do. <laughs> yeah. But then I think because Bellatrix is unhinged and insane and a bee, <laughs> that way we don't have me, to me, 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 um, <laughs> Yes. Um, she goes after them then because she's a horrible person. Yeah. She, she just likes torturing people. Right. It's not a good quality. It's the worst quality. Speaking of really terrible qualities... So there's somebody we've only touched on, like, for a hot second in this chapter. And I think we should rewind a little bit. And I really want to talk about Snape. Because it's his actions that set all of this in motion. And there was a point in the document from episode 115, the only thing that I brought over besides the amazing chapter summary was we talked about how Snape didn't know about the plan to get Sirius to the Department of Mysteries. Why didn't he know? Shouldn't he have known? I I think Voldemort has not completely reassembled everyone yet. Snape um, went I back, think... though. He, like, specifically says that no, he no, went no. back. I know. But I think at this point, Voldemort's not sharing his plan with, like, anyone, really. Um, I think at this point, I mean, it's not, he's not at the point we see him in Deathly Hallows where they're all sitting around a table, you know, chatting about how they're going to attack Harry. Um, I think at this point he's playing it very close to the chest. Because I think he still doesn't know who is loyal to him still. And he's still trying to stay in hiding. Yeah. So the only people he's really trusting are Pettigrew to do the pointless busy work. And everyone else, he's kind of just saying, hold on just a second while I like rebuild everything. Except for Bella and Narcissa, because clearly they are very aware. Yes. Also, but I think he trusts Bella enough. Mm. Yeah. Also, I think that because it's important that creature goes and during right before the holidays start, comes back right as the holidays are ending. So mm. I think that Bellatrix and Narcissa and I guess maybe Lucius probably wouldn't have 
told Voldemort until after a creature went back, and they knew that they could have leverage. Yeah. No, they would have told Voldemort this <gasps> thing, Wait and then second. Voldemort just put made... Lucius in charge because it was their plan. Yeah, because I think this was probably maybe it was partially Lucius, Narcissa, and Bellatrix's plan, which is why he put Lucius in charge. And the reason and then why they get so heavily punished. Yeah. And the reason why Snape doesn't know about it is specifically because by the time they finalized the plan, the school year has already started. And Bellatrix doesn't and trust Snape anyway, so. Yeah. Yeah. And Snape is. Snap! Snape, and Snape is at school, so they wouldn't be able to yeah. get into contact with him. The only way that they might be able to let Snape know is if they told. Draco and then Draco told. Uh, I think Snape. I think that was my question. That. Does Draco know? Did Draco? Know? I doubt I it. So. I don't think I so. It. I have a question though. I don't know. Narcissa now. wouldn't have allowed it. He she wouldn't have allowed Draco to know. I have a question though. So creature, we find out from Dumbledore that creature goes to the Malfoys and lets them know things that that Sirius didn't feel worth forbidding him to share, including how close Harry and Sirius are. Why then, when Voldemort learns of this information, why then isn't he upset that Snape never thought to let him know that? That's because a great at question. this point, he fully believes that Snape is working for him and... Because he doesn't know for... that Snape knows Sirius is around. Sure, he does. Because at, at he, this point, Voldemort knows Snape knows. Voldemort knows that Snape is in the Order. Exactly. So and when, when creature, he knows that Sirius is in the Order, right? Yeah. When creature shares this information, he should know that Snape either chose not to or didn't think it was important to share that information with him before creature managed to. I think it's potentially that they know that Snape hates Sirius and Harry so much that he wouldn't pay attention to something like that. Or they think that he wouldn't pay attention to something like that. Obviously, Or maybe does, they don't, but... or maybe they're like, well, the kid is at school. How would Snape see Harry and Sirius interacting together? But they know they that they're to. both in the order. Right. I don't know. No, no. Beth, I'm sure there's I, something I'm, I'm missing I'm with here. you. I'm with you. I think yeah. that part of it could be that um, Snape isn't really there to pay attention to Harry. He's not a part of the order on Voldemort's orders to be there for Harry. He's there to be there for Dumbledore. Oh, yeah, you're right. And so I think that all of the information Voldemort cares about from Snape is Dumbledore-centric. I don't think he cares really generally at all about what Harry's up to. I think That's interesting. He, I think the bonus information he gets about Harry is really cool because he can use it. And, well, I think that he thinks it's really cool because he can use it to serve the greater purpose. But I don't think... He actually cares at all what Harry is doing or thinking that's or what he a, cares about. That's a all. really interesting point because I think Dumbledore agrees with you. I think what he has to say in this chapter about avoiding Harry because then 
Voldemort would go through Harry to get to Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. That's what Dumbledore yeah. thinks, too, is that Voldemort is much more focused on Dumbledore than in, on Harry right now. Right. Well, because Dumbledore is the puppet master. Harry is just yeah. the Pinocchio on the strings, really. Yeah. And I think yeah. Voldemort knows that. Yeah. Voldemort still. Voldemort's more threatened by Dumbledore. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think that, and I think he also underestimates Harry. I think he probably views Harry as this person that, as long as he can get into this spot, he can kill him easily, as long as he gets him into like a certain spot. Oh, yeah. Like Dumbledore even says. Yeah, Dumbledore even says in the next book that, that Voldemort highly underestimates magic of, you know, like of the youth. So, mm-hmm. right. and magic that isn't experienced like his own. So he thinks that yeah. that with Dumbledore out of the way, Harry won't be able to carry the right. the burden of dealing with all of this by himself. Right. So why mm-hmm. make Snape pay attention to something as trivial as Harry yeah. Potter when he could be paying attention to Dumbledore? Because Snape is way too smart and valuable until he finds. Yeah. Yeah. Until Voldemort finds out he needs Harry to get the prophecy. Mm hmm. And then it's like, oh, now it's important to pay attention, you know? Right. Yeah, and that's when and that's when they start doing the plan from Narcissa and Lucius and Bellatrix. Yeah, I mean, the the information that Creature provides is what keys Voldemort into the fact that he could use Harry. And that Harry's not just a useless pawn, that he yeah. is actually uh, a, a gateway to that world, so to yeah, say. Yeah, because first he learns about... Yeah, because first he learns about Harry's... Uh, about how it could potentially use Harry with Sirius. But it's not until they're back at Hogwarts and like a few weeks before the final exams that Rookwood specifically comes back. Right. And tells them this. Well, I think that's a really perfect place to leave it for this episode. Quite honestly, I think we've touched on some really awesome points and I've definitely I definitely have some new thoughts and love for this chapter after this discussion. Oh yeah, we we definitely really yeah. got into it. <laughs> we did. It was really really fun. Uh thanks guys it for was. listening. Yeah. Really cool. Well, uh I just want to take a second to thank you David for being on this show. Um we really loved having you back. And we hope you have had a good time. Do you enjoy yourself? I have. Thank you for bringing so really many fun. awesome points. No problem. Thank you. Absolutely. Cool. It was really fun and easy. And <laughs> and y'all can uh, go interact with David lots more in our comments because he's all over the place in there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you are looking forward to our next topic. It will be the one, the only, Harry Potter, you know, the the guy who's kind of at the center of this whole thing. My favorite character. See, that's really funny because no one I was says just that. gonna say that it's so rare to hear somebody say that Harry's their favorite character. He's the only main character of any series that's my favorite character in this series. Hmm. Wow. I never liked the main character most, except for in this case. Huh. Well, we're going to be talking all about him on our next episode. <laughs> so look forward to that one because I'm sure it will be great. We're going to, we're going to give Harry some It wraps love up our trio he series. Needs. So. Yes. And he desperately needs love. Especially yeah. Yeah, so. after this chapter, for sure. <laughs> for Very much indeed. Yeah. 
If you would like to be on the show just like David, you can go on over to our website, which is alohomorapodcast.com, and choose Be On The Show. Just follow the instructions there, uh, and also send us uh, an audition clip along with that so that we know what you sound like. And David, can you attest, is that easy to do? It really is easy. Awesome. It's so that's, easy to do that. That's what we like to hear. Uh, you can also submit topic suggestions for us. We always need your suggestions for ideas about what to talk about next. Most of the time we have too many ideas about what to talk about, and we use your submissions to help narrow <laughs> us down. Um, so definitely go over there and tell us what you'd like to hear from us. Um, and when you do that, if you'd like to be on the episode that you are suggesting, let us know that as well. Um, because when we are picking guests, we usually look through what people are most interested in talking about. So, uh, definitely let us know. And all you need to be on the show is a microphone, um, and a pair of headphones. They can be the same thing or two different things. <laughs> and if you're chosen to guest on the show, we will walk you through the rest. It really is easy because... I'm not even using a special microphone. I'm using my laptop's built-in microphone. And and I'm using amazing, QuickTime so... Player. Yeah, and I'm using QuickTime Player to record. All you need to do is, if you have QuickTime Player, is click File, New Audio Recording, and press Record. It's that easy. There you, you have it, listeners. No excuses. <laughs> That's right. And in the meantime, if you just want to keep in contact with us, you can find us on Twitter at AlohomoreMN. Facebook.com slash Open the Dumbledore, our website. Don't forget, the URL has changed. It is alohomorapodcast.com. And our email is alohomorapodcast at gmail.com. Go ahead and send us your questions, your comments, your topic segments, everything. We accept it all over at our email. And don't forget to check us out on our Patreon at patreon.com slash alohomora. And we want to give our thanks again to Megan Ballard Beasley for sponsoring this Thank episode. You. Thanks, Megan. Yay. Thank you. And with that, we will watch the sun rise over Dumbledore's Ugh. office and Ugh. take our leave of Harry, who has started to learn the truth. I'm Allison. I'm Beth. And I'm Kat. Thank you for listening to episode 241 of Alohomora. Let me out. No. Let me out. No. Open the double door! <laughs>